You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 22. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am bringing you another amazing interview. Today, I've got veteran entrepreneur and my good friend, Scott Volker, on the show. And as you'll find out in the interview, he has built several successful businesses over the years, but what he's currently known for in the online world is the amazing seller, He is the founder and host of the Amazing Seller Podcast, a top-ranked business show where he helps regular, everyday people start and grow their online businesses in e-commerce. Scott is a serial entrepreneur that has built and helped others build six- and seven-figure brands online over the past 15 years and has now taught and inspired thousands all over the world through his take-action approach. I love Scott's energy, and I know that you are going to love this interview. So in this episode, you are going to learn how niching down has played a part in helping Scott build several successful businesses over the last 20 years, the four-part formula that Scott has used for nearly 15 years to successfully launch products online, how to future-proof your business so you're not building your brand on rented land, Scott's advice for breaking through to build a seven-figure business and more. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 22. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 22. All right, let's dive into the interview with Scott Volker from theamazingseller.com. Hey, Scott. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast with me today. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Oh, this is going to be awesome, Monica. I can't wait. And uh, we are going to have a blast. I can tell. Yeah. So, okay. So you and I know each other from the SPI Accelerator Mastermind with Pat Flynn. That's where we initially met. But I knew about you and your story long before that. I don't know if you know. I Um, don't know that. I'm learning something new here on the show. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. Tell me so, more. Okay. I will tell you all the things. So okay. year, years ago, I had just started my blog. So this was 2000, let's see, 2015. I started my blog and I was growing that. And my husband actually got excited about like business ideas and he discovered your podcast. Oh, wow. And I think it was fairly new at that point back in 2015, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of new? Yep. Yep. And it was new. Yeah. So he like, binge listen to your podcast and he was super excited about coming up with a product idea and that's where he kind of got stuck and then we decided that we were going to focus on my business and then come back to that. So anyway, so we were both starting to listen to your podcast back then, get excited about what you teach. So tell everybody who you are and what you do today. 
Yeah. Well, currently what I do, uh, if you're listening to this five years from now, it's probably all going to change. But, uh, but right now, my main thing that I'm focusing on is helping people build brands. And it's mainly right now in the e-commerce space. And you're going to hear probably as we go through my story that I come from a uh, business background, building businesses, multiple businesses in brick and mortar, in online digital, in physical. Um, it's just now I have really kind of came full circle and taking a lot of what I've learned through the years and then piggybacking that with the physical product world. And now I have a podcast that I started back then in 2015. And really, I was just documenting my story of, you know, getting started myself on Amazon and learning that landscape and that platform and then just sharing that with uh, whoever would listen at the time. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm kind of at today. That's kind of what I'm known for. But We'll talk a little bit more about as far as like where I want to go, where I want to be known for different things than just that. So we can talk about that too. Okay. I'm excited about that. But you didn't start there. So what was your background? I mean, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur with multiple successful businesses under your belt? Or (laughs) I mean, did that kind of just happen? Where did your journey begin? Yeah. Well, as a kid... I was always, my father, I have to say my father is probably the one that always instilled in me that number one, work ethic is huge. Like your work ethic, it's a massive contributor to your success, but uh, always about just, if you want to, if you want to go to the movies, you got to mow the lawn. Like that was it. Like you, you, if you want something, you can't just get it for free. You got to work for it. So, I mean, literally he had me knocking on our neighbor's doors, selling these little pieces of wood, these round white birch little pieces of wood that he saw. And then they were probably about four inches thick and he'd drill a hole in it. We put a candle and then we'd put these green uh, like pine in them and then we would sell them for like five bucks a piece. So he'd make me knock on the doors and ask for five bucks for these things. And I'd sell a bunch of them. My neighbors, they were going to buy from me regardless, but it was a huge lesson for me. So that always got me thinking along the lines of if I want to make money, I got to go out there and figure out a way. And there's a lot of stories growing up that I did that I I went out there and tried to do some, you know, money making uh, endeavors. But When I got out of high school, I wasn't raised in the mindset to go to college. So college never came up for me. Uh, My father never said, uh, hey, we got to start looking for colleges. It was kind of like you're going to get out of school and you're going to work. Right. And uh, so my friends were finding out where they're going to go and stuff. And I was just figuring out where I was going to go for a job. So I was working at a restaurant since I was like 15 years old and the manager there, her husband worked at a place called quad graphics. And that was a, it's a, still available. It's still out there. It's a printing company. And they print like golf digest, people magazine, and all those. And she's like, it's a really great apprentice program. And you could go there and, you know, after like five, six years, work yourself up the ranks and probably make around 50, $60,000. And this is back years ago. I graduated in 1990. So I was like, yeah, game on, let's do it. So I did it. And about, I don't know, probably like two months in, I was like, there's no way I can work in this factory like this. There's just no way. This is not my destiny. And then uh, it was uh, probably about nine months. I finally, I had to throw my hand in and say, no, I can't do it anymore. And so I went back to working at the restaurant temporarily. And then I got a job at a cable company with my, my girlfriend's mother got me that job. I love that job. They just didn't pay that well. So I was working there for about a year. And then my father, he had a construction business ever since I was growing up. And uh, he offered me a job and he said, I'll match your pay. My pay was like seven bucks an hour. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, and you're going to learn a trade. You're going to be able to, you know, possibly one day own this company because he had a partner and that's what we're working towards. And I'm like, okay, cool. Game on. So that's what I did. And I got married young. I met my wife when I was 20, got married when I was 21, had our first kid at uh, 
22. So uh, yeah, she's 24 now, by the way, uh, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? I'm not old enough to have a kid that's 24. Come on, I don't Mom, believe right? it. I don't believe it. You can't no. believe that, right? No, it's insane. no you, your younger daughter. <laughs> how old is she now? She's 11. She's 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I got a 21 year old son. So. Scott got, you know, he got married young, had kids young, and I have no regrets. I'm so glad because I'm young enough, I feel like, to still be kind of cool, kind of. But, uh, you know, and we can kind of hang out and we have re- really good relationships. But, you know, as I was going down that path, about probably five years in, uh, my father's partner and his family started coming into the business. And that's where I started to see the writing on the wall. I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. The business isn't really doing, it was doing well as far as top line, but the business wasn't, it was maintaining. And back then, I mean, it was a $2 million business. It just, we were in debt. We owed you know money on trucks and facilities and all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, I don't really want this, do I? And so now here I am feeling like I've invested this time. I got no education. What am I going to do? And so that's where my wife and I sat down and I'm looking through the paper and I'm looking for like jobs. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to try to find a job here. I got to get out of this, you know? And she's like, why don't we just do something ourselves?" I'm like, like what? And she's like, let's do photography. We've got kids that we take it for photography. We should just open our own studio. I'm like, oh yeah, it's that easy. And she's like, well, no, I mean, we could just do it part time and see how it goes. And so I said, all right, what the heck? So back then there was no like big YouTube channels where you can go and learn and stuff. So I had to go to the photography, the, the lab and, uh, we got books and we would take our film. It wasn't digital. So we had film on 35 millimeter. We would take it, get it developed to see how the lighting was, to see how the poses was. And we learned just through trial and error. And after about 18 months, we got a pretty good little business going. And, uh, I ended up leaving my job after 18 months of uh, starting that little side business. And uh, we ran that for about eight years full time. And then we went part time as we started to merge into the online space, which we can talk about. But that's my story in a nutshell up to that point. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. So your wife had a big part to play in, you know, let's figure this out on our own. We don't need to get hired by somebody. Yeah, absolutely. She had a really good job going uh, when we got married. She went to college for like two years and then got a really good opportunity to work at a uh, electrical company and um, really good pay. But then we had our first kid and she's like, I don't want to send my kid to a daycare. I want us to be able to raise him. I want to be home. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to be the guy that's going to go out there and just work my butt off to make that happen. And I did. And I remember I worked full time for my dad. I'd work 60 hours a week. I'd also, we lived in New York at the time. So I would do snow blowing on the side in the winter shovel sidewalks. I would do whatever it took to make sure that we had enough money to survive and keep a roof over our head. But uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So that's really interesting. And then you developed a side hustle before, you know, having a side hustle was a common thing. So did people think that you were kind of weird that you had this? (laughs) Did you talk about that? How did you, how did that come up in conversation? Yeah. Well, you know, some people, they were wondering, you would see people too. They'd be like, so how many photography sessions do you do a day? And then they would say how much you charge and then they're trying to see how much you make, right? Yeah. You could, you could see them doing the math, you yeah. know? So, uh, yeah, we'd have people, I mean, our family was excited, but a little bit like thinking like, is this really going to work? How can you do this? You guys aren't photographers kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, my wife was very creative back in the day and Gettys was like one of the hot photographers and we kind of modeled her style. My wife has obviously her own style, but really we started to, again, going into niching down. People always talk about niching or niching, however you want to say it. How do you do it? Like what we did is we started with everything. We will do anything. We'll do any photography. And we were doing like weddings. And then we would do like 
first communions or recitals or whatever. And then we're like, wait a minute, like we don't want to do this other stuff like weddings and stuff. So stressful. What do we want really want to do? So we started to focus on family photography. And then that's where we got into newborn photography, which uh, we got really well known in our area as the go-to for family photography. And we had some studios near us that they were like well-established. They were charging probably four times what we were charging and people would leave there and come to us and say, we get such a better experience. We also get better pictures and we just overall just want to keep coming here. And so we'd have customers for life by doing that. But yeah, my wife had the idea and uh, we acted on it and yeah, it turned out to be something really, really uh, great. Now it wasn't all great. We still struggled. And our first year in, after I left, we still had to figure out, okay, the holiday season's over. That was a big rush. Now what? How do we get people coming in at different times of the year that they normally wouldn't come in for pictures? So that's where Scott started to, to really start learning more about marketing and how to get people in the door and, and stuff like that. And that's where I discovered my passion for really marketing. And so then what took you to the online space and e-commerce? Or is that where you went next? Or was there something in between? Yeah, it was funny. The next step really was because, again, as we're doing the photography, we're like, okay, we only have a certain amount of time in the day. A lot of times we were doing photo uh, sessions outside in our field. We had a massive field over two acres and we had a pond and we had a dock and we would take all these really nice lifestyle pictures out there. But you know, if it was raining, we couldn't do it. If it was too humid, we couldn't do it. So there was a lot of this sometimes questionable. We had the studio too. I built the studio in our home, but um, there was a lot of that and it still wasn't sure, right? And you still had to show up. So I'm like, what else could we do to supplement our income? So my wife was looking for a prop at one time. It was, she was looking for a bridge, like a little, like a, I don't want to say miniature, but it was like a four foot garden bridge that she could put in the studio as like a prop. Um, have the kids go up on it, sit on it or stand on it or whatever. And she was looking on eBay and she seen one. And then she also seen it at the Christmas tree shop, which is a, a shop. Well, it's in, it's in New York, but I think it's East coast, but it's more of just like a big department store. And, um, she seen it was there and she goes, Oh my gosh, it's only like 25 bucks. I think I was going to pay $130 for this thing. So we ran home with one bridge and we uh, looked on eBay and sure enough, they were selling. And so we listed it and within an hour or two, we had a bid on it already and we ended up selling it for $130. We bought it for like 25 bucks. So what did we do the next day? We ran back to the Christmas tree shop. We brought our minivan, we loaded it up and we, uh, we pulled out with about probably 25 or 30 wooden bridges in our back of our minivan. And we sold them all. And we put our kids through private school with their tuition from selling those bridges. That's what got me excited about online is that one thing. That's very cool. So then you decided I'm going to make my own product or what was the next step from there? No, it wasn't that. It was like, what else could I sell? Right? Like what else do I have that I could sell? And so the other thing that I started to, uh, cause back then there wasn't really a lot of like digital products there was, but there wasn't, there was like the one penny eBooks on eBay and that was kind of a joke. But, uh, I started to say, well, wait a minute here. We're making all of these digital templates. Like I was learning Photoshop and that's another thing I think people should be aware of. Like when I was in school in high school, I barely passed. Like I was a, at best a C plus B minus student. And I was struggling just because I wasn't interested in it and I don't retain things that I'm not interested in. But I had to learn Photoshop and there wasn't really YouTube and there wasn't like tutorials you can go watch. So I had to buy a book and I bought that book and I learned it. And uh, I learned enough to get by and I learned enough to get 
you know, better at it and good at it and enough to where I could start creating my own templates for our customers. So they would come in and they'd be like, oh, I want a special Easter card. Can you make one? And I'd be like, yeah. And how much? It's 75 bucks. So I would make a custom template. Well, I had a whole stockpile of all these custom templates that I made one off for these people. I'm like, maybe I could like recycle these. Maybe I could sell these on eBay. So that's what I did. I ended up putting them up on eBay and I started to sell them for like 20, 25 bucks a piece. And that's where the light bulb went on. I'm like, wait a minute here. There's people online that are actually into this photography stuff. What if we could make it easier for people to A, market or start their business and also bring in some of these high-end props that we're paying, you know, for a set, two, three, four thousand dollars How could I bring that to them digitally and then show them how to more or less superimpose their subject in there without them having to have this high-end studio? And that's what I started to go out there and start to ask people if they'd be interested in that by going to YouTube. And uh, at then, again, YouTube was not anything near where it is now. And I was just telling people our story and then getting people interested and saying, like, if I could get people interested, would they want to buy any more of these prop type things on CD? And after about, uh, I'd say about after 30 days, I had about 100 subscribers on YouTube. And then I started hearing about this email list building thing. And we're going way back. And uh, I started collecting emails through AWeber. AWeber was my first. I still have that same account too, by the way. I bought AWeber. I learned how to set up a little opt-in page. And then I started collecting email addresses for more uh, photography tutorials. And I started building that list. And I built that list up to about 1,000 people before I launched my first product. So any questions up to that point? Because there's a lot I just covered there. That's just really cool. So you intuitively knew to grow an email list or was that something that you just decided that because maybe in your photography business, you're like, well, we keep in touch with our customers there. So it makes sense to keep in touch with people who might be interested in our products online. Yeah, kind of. Okay. So let me go back a little bit. So in the photography world, in the brick and mortar, and again, I had no marketing background at all, but I thought to myself, if I can we have email and people are always emailing us asking about, can they set up a date? Can they, you know, do we have anything available for this? Whatever. And so I'm like, if I could get in touch with these people on a regular basis and tell them about upcoming events or promotions or, you know, hurry up because Christmas sessions are filling up and we only have, you know, 50 spots for the season, whatever. And so I started building an email list with just our customers and I started putting them into like Outlook Express, like literally like by hand manually entering them. And then I'd send out a hundred at a time because you couldn't send over that or get flagged as spam. So that's where I, I seen the power in that, but I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Right. I mean, we were even collecting email addresses that we had like a a fundraiser for our school and we donated a a free photography session. And then as part of that, we got a booth. And at the booth, I created a little giveaway and it was a fishbowl. And uh, I had a fishbowl that you could write your name and email on and you would put it in there to enter to win a free photography session worth three hundred dollars. And we'd collect 100 people that walked through and then we would market to those people later. But I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought it was a good idea. So then as I started looking into the online world, as I started to kind of wet my whistle a little bit with like, okay, I just sold something on eBay. How do I sell more stuff on eBay? And then as you start going down that rabbit hole, you start getting exposed to online marketing. And as I did that, I started hearing about building an email list and how important it was. And the first person that I've ever bought a course from, and I actually got to meet him recently in Puerto Rico, was Jeff Walker. And that's from Product Launch Formula. And that was a pretty cool moment for me because and I'll go through this with you and with the audience, but we took his training, which was a a lot of money back then. It's still a lot of money, two grand. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I went through his training 
and I applied it to what I was doing. And from there, we ended up launching our first digital product. And it was uh, pretty successful for someone that normally was doing photography sessions and hoping that we could make 10 grand in a season to hold us over for the next two months. So um, Jeff Walker was a big role in that for me. And I got to shake his hand, meet his wife, meet his son, and uh, spend uh, two days with him. So that was pretty epic. That is super cool. So, oh gosh, from there, I'm just imagining that moment. I mean, because how many years mm. ago was that when you oh, gosh. purchased Product Launch Formula? 2004 or five, something like wow. that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And it was, uh, and it, it was something that I was like, ah, this won't work for me kind of thing. I'm like, ah, it won't work. I'll try it. And he's got the refund thing. If I, if it doesn't work for me, I'll just get a refund, you know, but yeah. everything he did is exactly what he teaches about launching products. Now I think it's overused in today's market. I think you got to put your own spin on it. And I have put my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also pre-built the product, which I would never do again. I always do like a, a beta or a, a pre-sale. So that way there, you don't waste your time on something that you think people want. And I, I've even done it where you have people to say that I would say, hey, if you really want this, just let me know and I might create it. And then I, you'd get a whole bunch of yeses and then you'd make it. And then it'd be like, uh, nah, I, maybe next time. But if you get people to sign with their wallet, then you know that it's, you know, it's time to make it. So I've learned from that. But the first one I built the training, I spent, oh gosh, I spent probably, oh, full weekends, you know, late nights building this thing of really how my wife and I started our business, then how we also are using digital items in our business to offer more to our customers without having to spend thousands on props and backgrounds. And so that's what we launched our product. And uh, once we launched it, and I can take you through the launch if you want, but um, that right there, as soon as that happened, that literally changed my life, my wife's life, just even my mindset. Oh, let's talk about that. Okay. So walk us through the launch, what happened. And then I want to, I definitely want to talk about mindset. Yeah. Okay. So the launch looked like this. And the funny thing is, is everything I'm talking about with this launch, we're talking way back in the day Mm -hmm. is the same exact process that I do today. As far as deliver value, get people to know, like, and trust, see what they want and need, and then offer it to them. Like it's literally that simple and not everyone is going to buy and I'm okay with that. I'm still helping people. So that's the thing for me. If as long as I'm helping someone, I mean, I've, I've helped people launch seven figure businesses, eight figure businesses and have never bought one of my trainings. They just listen to the podcast or they've, you know, watched some of my, my workshops. They don't ever purchase a training and I'm okay with that because I still can say I helped this person grow this business. So I'm cool with that. But so many people, they just want to know I'm going to create something and sell it. I'm going to create something and sell it. That's not the mindset that I go in with. And even back in the day, I mean, listening to Jeff Walker, it was always about give them value along the way, like really give them some of your best stuff. Don't hold anything back. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is you can't hold things back. If you hold things back, then they're like, what are you holding back? You know, you're, you're not giving me the good stuff. So give them everything. The thing is, is even though you could give them everything that you would teach in a course, but it's kind of like all over the place, they want it organized. They want it tidy. They want access to you. They want access to other resources, to checklists, to this, that, and the other thing. But so many people don't think that. They think, well, if I'm going to give it away, they're not going to ever want to buy from me. And I've never experienced that, to be honest with you. So it looked like this. Again, had the YouTube channel with about 100 subscribers, and then I built up my email list of about 1,000 and all organically, no paid traffic. And um, – didn't even really have much paid traffic back then other than Google. So 
I went ahead and built that up and I just kept communicating with them over the next three to five, six months, just communicating with them. I'd give them a new video or I'd give them a new, maybe a lesson that I would put on a blog, showing them step by step or even giving them, you know, a marketing tip, whatever. And then I started to drop little hints that I'm considering, you know, creating a course, never done one before, but I wanted to know what you would want to see inside if I did. And then they were like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love that. I would love for you to take me by the hand and show me this and show me that and all of these different components. So then I literally created a mind map of what the course would look like for myself, but then I showed it to them, right? So I just kind of walked them through like, I would expand one of the bubbles and then it would say, this is everything in here. And I would talk about it and then I would do another one and it would expand and I would talk about that part of it and really just leading them through, but really giving them a behind the scenes look of what I want to teach. And, um, I had a whole bunch of yeses. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and create it. So I would, and then I would just tell them a little bit about it as I was creating it. Yeah. This past weekend, I ended up recording these videos on this. Is there anything that you would like to see that maybe I haven't mentioned? And then they would tell me. And so I did it over the course of maybe like three weeks before I ended up telling them when it was going to be released. And then I let them know that it was going to be released on a certain date at 3 p.m. Eastern time on a Thursday. I know that for a fact because I made a mistake. And uh, and that mistake was at three o'clock p.m. Eastern on a Thursday, Scott was going to be the bowling dad at school because that that was my Thursday job. I was uh, at the bowling alley with the kids. And I used to help the principal do a after school bowling league. And so uh, I said to my wife, I go, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be home when this thing goes live. What are we going to do? And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, there might be like five people like ready. Like, who knows? I don't know how this thing's going to work. You know, it's only a thousand people and, you know, we know that not everyone's opening it, whatever. And so I said to her, I go, here's what you got to do. And again, thinking back in the day, there wasn't like these fancy timers and stuff that we have access to now. So it was like at three o'clock, you got to be at your computer. I do. And I have to change the file name to the file name that is going to be live that they're going to get. And so I would have to time everything perfectly. So I told my wife, at this time, I want you to go in here. I'll have the FTP server up. All you got to do is go in there, right click on it, and then just change that to whatever, right? Like maybe X, Y, Z. Then it will go live. And then from there, the sales page will be live. And uh, at about 3.05, I get a phone call. I get a little phone call on my flip phone. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, you're never going to believe it. And I'm like, what? She goes, our PayPal account has like five grand in it. And I'm like, no, it's got to be a mistake. She's like, nope, I'm telling you. She goes, hold on a minute. I'm going to refresh the page. She refreshes it. She was like, there's another thousand dollars in there now. I'm like, come on. She's like, nope. She goes, stay on for another five minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. And so she did it again, another 800, whatever. And over the next three days, we ended up doing about $12,000 after we finished. And, um, yeah, it was life changing. It was uh, literally life changing, not like life changing money. I mean, for us, it was it was like we never made that much money in that short of a period of time. But just in my head, it had changed that. Holy crap. This doesn't just happen to other people. This happens to me. And it, it gave me a little bit of a confidence booster. But then almost probably two days later, in comes the question, could I really do it again? Or was this a fluke? Right. So then you got to prove yourself again. But yeah, that was the launch. Pretty exciting. Pretty crazy. I'll never forget that moment. But it definitely, definitely changed my life. That's really cool. Okay. So how much was the product? 
at that time, I believe it was 147 or maybe 127. It was in that range. Wow. Wow. So you had a whole bunch of sales with a small email list, small, relatively small YouTube subscribers. So when you were delivering the value, were you releasing videos? Were you sending this via email when you were showing people behind the scenes? And then leading up to, okay, I'm going to put it out there Thursday at 3 p.m. How was that? Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, keep in mind that video wasn't streaming that well back then, right? So I offered to send all of this to people on CDs as well. So there was a physical component to it. So I had, after I sold these, then I went to my local video place and I asked them if they could burn these CDs for me and then print with inkjet on them. And they said, yeah, we can do that. So I had to end up getting these CDs printed. I had to buy these little cases. I had to package them all myself and then bring them all to the post office and send them out. And I did that so people could actually put the CD in their computer and then watch the video so they weren't streaming it. So that was another component to this. You know what I mean? So there was a there was that aspect of it. So with the videos to kind of share behind the scenes, I was just posting that on YouTube. Okay. I would just post it on YouTube and then let people know, hey, I just shot a quick video showing this, that, and the other thing. Go check it out. And I'd send the link over to YouTube. I didn't even send it to a blog at that time. Got it. Okay. So that was all via YouTube where you were communicating because you said that you were communicating. So that was mm-hmm. YouTube and you sent an email, hey, go check out this video. Absolutely. Yeah, that okay. was it. That was my flow. I, I don't even think at the time I had a website. I think I just had maybe a shell of a website, but nothing. And again, I don't really like writing. So for me to write about what I was talking about, that was going to be a stretch. So I was like, I just got to show video. And so I would, and then I would then send them over to the YouTube channel. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Then fast forward to, so what happens between that point and then launching The Amazing Seller in 2015? Ooh, that's a, there's, there's a big jump there. Let me mention one thing because I want people sure. to realize this too. So, okay, so this happened, right? We had a very successful launch in our eyes, you know, to the internet world, it's nothing. But let's just say for us, it was amazing. It was awesome. And then we, we repeated that a few different times throughout the year. We weren't going to launch every month, but we're like, you know what? We'll launch, you know, every three months, every four months. And that's what we did. So we went ahead and we said, okay, we're just going to keep doing this. We're going to keep building this out. We'll build our email list and, and things are going to continue to be great. And they kind of were. Then one day I got a phone call and our business name at the time was new photo biz. Okay. New photo biz makes sense, right? You want to start a new photo biz We're the people to go to, right? Well, didn't realize that there was a site called photo biz and photo biz was a web hosting site for photographers. So it was trademarked and they called us the owners and they said, uh, we're going to basically file that you're infringing on our trademark and on our copyright and all that. And uh, we are going to get you shut down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything was so awesome. And then this happened. Now what? (laughs) You know, and like I built everything. I branded everything. The YouTube channel was branded. All the traffic was coming from YouTube. Everything was built. Everything was. So what does Scott do? Well, he sits down and he tries to recoup. But then I said, you know what? Jeff talks about being transparent, talks about sharing what happens, and it actually just deepens the relationship. So I told people what happened, and I said, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to change our name, and the name is going to be New Portrait Biz, not New Photo Biz. And I made sure it was available. I trademarked it. It cost me about $1,200, 
And I made an agreement with the owners of that company that I'd have up to 12 months to transfer it over and they were cool with it. I was really like to them, I said, listen, I didn't mean to do this. Like I didn't know that, that there was even a thing as a, a violation of a trademark. I went to GoDaddy. It was available. I figured it was free. And she's like, yeah, I can see how that can happen. She's like, no problem. And she was super cool. So I was lucky in that aspect. But man, oh man, my world got turned upside down in three days. And I was at the bottom of the bottom. Here I was top. Here I was bottom. And uh, I was able to uh, battle back because I was like, okay, now we're just going to go with new portrait biz. And that's what we did. And uh, that's what we built everything off of. But I just I wanted to share that with people because people, they need to realize that you're going to have moments probably that come up that you're going to doubt yourself. You're going to question, is it worth it? You're going to, you know, be hit with these things. And that's really what's going to really allow you to see how well you can adapt, which I think we all can. You just have to have the right mindset. Right. No, I appreciate you mentioning that because I'm just imagining being you and you and your wife where, you know, things are going so well and you did prove to yourself that it wasn't just a fluke that first time you were able yeah. to have, you know, successful launch after successful launch, you know, just repeating the formula, the product launch formula and, yep. you know, building that relationship with your customers. But then this happens and was your first thought like, oh, it's all over or. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, it was too good to be true. Yeah. Like it was too good to be true. Like now what do I do? Like now I feel like I'm going to get arrested, right? Like not that that even happens, but it's like, I'm afraid I'm going to be arrested. I'm like paranoid. I'm like, uh, I just want to get out of the online space. See, everybody said online space is bad. This is why, right? So I started talking myself almost out of it. But I, you know, again, my wife and I are a good team. She's a huge part of my success just because she's level-headed and she can kind of talk me through certain things at times and I do the same for her. So we're a good match, but, uh, yeah, it was rough. But then we said, you know what? We still got our list. We still got the trust in the people. And if we tell them what happened, they're going to be cool with it. And then we did. And then we just had to start rebranding things and then start moving everything from YouTube over to our new channel, letting people know about it. I mean, we had some videos that had 40, 50,000 views and those videos got to go. Like you can't use them anymore. Yeah. So it's like all these videos are on there driving traffic. They're all indexed in search engine, in the YouTube search engine, in the Google search engine. We were coming up for searches because I was now starting to learn that side of it too. So I'm like, every video I do, I'm going to make sure that I'm going after certain keywords for people that are looking to start a new business or to, you know, the, the photography business or how to grow their photography business or, you know, how to grow their business with props or whatever. Like I was trying to go after all these different keywords and now all of a sudden I got to rebuild like from scratch. Oh my gosh. So did you have a team at that point or was it just still you and your wife? Me and my wife. Oh my goodness. Yep. That was it. So everything from building the pages to connecting everything, turning things on, shutting things off, setting up certain triggers inside of AWeber. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I just figured it out. You know, that's why when people say, well, I'm not techie enough. I'm not techie enough either. I just figured it out. Right. And just go in there. They've got their own information tutorials, figure out how to connect something. What do you want it to do? Right. And then just connect. Right. Like learn what you need to learn right now. Our good, our good friend, Pat Flynn, that's what he says all the time. Right. Just in time learning. Like, don't worry about learning everything. Just learn what you need to learn right now. And for me, it was like, okay, we're going to do this thing. I need a landing page. I need a thank you page. And then I need to deliver the product. How's that going to happen? And then I would just figure out those pieces. But yeah, we were uh, just a small little team, my wife and myself, and, and even in our brick and mortar. It was always just us, you know, pretty that's much. That's really cool. That's really cool. So at this point, so then you're living the life. 
I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so then what was your next pivot? Because, I mean, you've had such an evolution. And so, yeah. so then where did you go next? Yeah. So uh, we started to do pretty well there. So then I'm like, oh, I'm starting to hear about membership sites. And so then I decided to come up with an idea on how I could give members access to more of our digital, we call them digital creations or more of us creating sets that people would normally have to buy, uh, physically buy for their studio, but really they couldn't afford them because they're a couple grand a piece or $3,000 or whatever. How could we keep creating these for people to have in their own studio so they can offer them to their customers? So that's what we started to do. So I started to build this membership site where people, I, I kind of modeled it after like uh, BJ's Warehouse or Costco or any of those where you buy a membership and then from the membership, you get discounts on other products. So it was a really cool model because people would pay 10 bucks a month, $9.99 to basically get one free digital creation every single month. That same digital creation we would sell on eBay for $24.95. So immediately they get the members discount. Then inside of that, we would create special digital creations that would only be available at a discount inside of our members store. So we would almost like double dip. So we would create one, sell it on eBay for $24.95, take that same one, put it in the member site and sell it for $12.47, basically half, right? So then you would get, people would be encouraged to then want to buy inside of the club because they're paying their fee for 10 bucks. They're getting a free digital creation every single month. Regardless, that's what they're paying 10 bucks for. And then they're also getting access to purchase more. So they're basically belonging to this club to really buy more. And um, yeah, we grew that into a six-figure business uh, relatively quickly. And that was going really well for a long time. And even to this day, we still have members um, and we're still supporting. But actually right now, as we're recording this, we're actually going through a new little version that we're going to do because we don't really want the membership site anymore. What we want to do is we want to make it more of a standalone So we're actually going to take those assets and kind of package them up and create more or less like a bundle that they can buy just one off. So again, we created all these assets for seven years. Now we're going to bundle them and we're going to resell them because they're still relevant. They're still usable if you have Photoshop. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's that. So again, I mean, there's so many different twists and turns. So from there, I'll try to continue to go here and try to get you through to where we are today. But (laughs) so from there, we're doing that. Everything's working great, but I'm still always playing. I'm still experimenting. So as I'm running the photography business too, I was also doing, people were asking me if I transfer video and I'm like, no, I don't transfer video. Do you do slides? Do you transfer slides for 50th uh, wedding anniversaries? No, I don't do that. Do you transfer old eight millimeter films? No, I don't do that. And I started getting more of these requests. I'm like, you know what? To my wife, I said, we should probably offer this as a service. Maybe I should start doing them on the side. So I did. It was a complimentary thing for our photography business. And so I started to research how to do the transfers. And as I was doing that, I stumbled on a product that this guy was building that he was modifying these old projectors to transfer film. So I bought it. It was a thousand bucks and I got it home and I looked at it and I kind of was like, oh my gosh, like I could create these myself. Maybe I should build these and sell them on eBay. That's what I did. And I sold about $100,000 on eBay with projectors. So that's another little side note that I did. So yeah, so that was that little thing, but that opened my eyes to physical products. And that's where I started hearing about Amazon and FBA fulfilled by Amazon. So once I started hearing about Amazon, I was like, well, wait a minute here. I know physical products. Like we sell them, we buy them. Like I understand it. If people are going to Amazon, they're going there to buy. And now they have this program where you can actually send inventory in and they will fulfill it. That's a dream for me because I don't want to package things up. Like packaging a lot of things up takes time. So I was like, 
I'm going to give this thing a shot. So that's where we started to dabble in that. And we launched a, a couple of just kind of widgets. They're just one off like um, type products. And then I think we spent $5,000 to invest in our first bit of inventory. And within 90 days, we generated about $47,000 in revenue. And so I was like, holy crap. And the first year we did 300K in revenue just from that little experiment. That's what got me excited. That's what got me saying, you know what? I should probably get on and share the story of what I'm doing here because I couldn't find any information myself of people helping others with e-commerce, but more primarily Amazon selling. And so that's what got me kind of like the spotlight on the podcast, but it also handcuffed me a little bit. And then that's where this most recent, probably in the past 18 months, little pivot has been coming from. But that's how I got there. It's like I, I wanted to help other people with this process. Also, I knew going back in time that if I help people share over time, something will eventually happen. And I didn't know how I was going to monetize. I knew that if the audience came and I built that trust and that loyalty and I was like the voice for the community, I knew that the monetization would figure itself out. And that's what it did. And I didn't make my first dollar on my podcast for 56 episodes. I remember my first sale and um, that wasn't my own product. It was an affiliate sale. Wow. Okay. So, so that brings I know, us a lot. Yeah. So much, Scott. Oh my gosh. So the amazing seller has been quite frankly, amazing. I mean, it's grown up into this really large brand all about creating a successful business on Amazon. And now you've been hinting at this pivot. So what is the pivot that's been taking place? Well, it's funny because as markets change and industries change and all of that, right, you start to see there's a shift, right? And so selling on Amazon has been kind of like the sexy thing, right? Like it's like, oh, cool. We can go there and find a product, throw it up, sell it. You're going to be a millionaire. And that might be somewhat true back in 2015, 16. But then like anything, like Google slaps have happened and SEO and all that stuff, there's always changes. Well, then you get people that are going to go in there and game the system. As they game the system, then Amazon starts to crack down and then it starts to hinder also good sellers. Then you get other people coming in that are, we call them hijackers. They come on your listing and then they take over your listing. Amazon doesn't really do anything about it. So now you don't own the listing, they do. So it's like you're putting your product up on rented land. So I'm not saying it's bad, but now, you know, looking at where we are now, you can't just put all your eggs in one basket. So going back full circle, it's funny because I come from building a brand, right? Like building something around a market, a niche. And that's now what I am teaching. So I am teaching people that if you want to go out there and create an e-commerce business or an online business, it doesn't matter. You need to go out there and find your market. You need to show up in front of that market with content, with value, and start building that know, like, and trust. And once you do that, then you can kind of point at your products, at your affiliate links, at your, you know, your ad rev, whatever, like you can do any of that stuff once you do that. So I've kind of went full circle. I went back to my roots and I'm like, well, wait a minute here. Amazon's just one avenue. That's like one channel. And yes, we're going to do that. And we always say when you're launching your, your business or you're, you're thinking about launching your business, you always want to go out there and see what is selling on Amazon so you can get an idea of what the market is buying and what you could potentially be selling. So we always want to do that. We can also still sample with our affiliate link. We don't have to actually launch you know, a physical product that might cost you $5,000 to source. We can just go ahead and piggyback off someone else that's already done it, be an affiliate for that and test it before we ever do it. 
by just going out there creating attention in that market with traffic through content, building your email list, Facebook ads, whatever. So that's really what I'm a, a huge fan of now is going out there, figuring out your market, getting attention, and then directing it to your different opportunities for people to buy from you. And that could be Amazon. It could be your own Shopify store. It could be affiliate offers. It could be just getting traffic so you could get ad rev from AdThrive or Mediavine or whatever. So that's really what my pivot is, is now Scott doesn't want to be known as just the Amazon guy. It's really Scott wants to be known as the guy that's out there helping people build a business that is future proof. And that is where we're heading. I love it. Okay. So future proof because I mean, everything is always changing. And so how do we actually future proof our businesses? Mm -hmm. Because we can't predict what the next pivot is going to be, you know, what the next Amazon or Facebook is going to be. So how do we Mm -hmm. do that? Well, first off, you don't put all your eggs in that basket. So I'm a huge fan of creating your home base. And what I mean by that is your website, your blog, right? It's the place that you're going to be doing your communicating and you're going to be putting all of your assets there, right? Because you own that in a sense, you're still renting it because you're renting hosting, but you still own your platform. So that's your content. You're creating it. You have access to that. If you're just building a YouTube channel, you're still at risk there, So I'm a huge fan of YouTube, but I would not say your business, you should become a YouTuber, right? I think that should be a a part of your business. And so for me, future-proofing it is making sure that you're building assets that are going to always lead back to your home base and also having assets that you control that you can actually communicate with those people. So one that I'm a huge fan of still is email list building. And I know some people say, well, it's not really effective still. Well, I'm telling you right now, it's still effective. All right. I literally just sent an email into one of the brands that I'm partnered with. We sent an email to 30,000 people. And within an hour, I had 650 clicks, not opens, clicks. Okay. On a link that they can buy something. So it still works. Um, It's just, you have to know the right way of doing it. So the cool thing about the email list is you're able to then take that as well and use that in other places. So I know you're a huge fan of like creating a custom audience and then taking that list and maybe making a lookalike audience. Well, right now at the time of this recording, we can do that with Facebook ads and we can do retargeting and all that stuff. So that email list is really, really valuable. Whether they make changes to who you can send it to or whatever, it's still a list of names of people that raised their hand. And I'm sure there's going to be things in the future that you can then use that email list to then, again, reach those people or even create a lookalike audience like we've talked about. So those are two main things that I think that will help to future-proof your business. And again, there's no like guarantee, but this is the best way, in my opinion, to future-proof, right? If you're able to have your own traffic, yes, Google can make their changes. But if you have multiple ways that traffic is coming to you, just like anything, diversify your traffic streams. It could be Facebook ads. It could be just Google traffic. It could be YouTube traffic. It could be Yahoo. It could be Bing. You know, it could be Instagram. Now, Instagram, to me, that's like, I don't see that as a channel that I would say would be your first channel. And here's why. Instagram's constantly moving, right? I want to create an asset that's going to work for me now and six months from now and a year from now, right? The only asset you're building with an Instagram account is the day that you're going to post something. That's it. After that, we all know it's done. It's down in the feed. Someone might, they might stalk you and go through your stuff. But for the most part, they're not going to see it again. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying that wouldn't be one of my primary things to do. It would be the email list, 
And then, yeah, I would even say I'd go as far as custom audiences. I'd build custom audiences in Facebook before I'd build an Instagram or spend a lot of time building an Instagram following. And we all know it. You see them, the accounts with a million followers and they get like, you know, 3000 likes and you're like, that's not really that good, right? For what you're getting. When you send an email, even if you got a bad open rate, you know, of 10%, let's say 100,000, that's 10,000. Like that's better than your Instagram. So I'm not here saying that you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying it wouldn't be one of my top things because I'm always looking at evergreen. I'm always looking at an asset I create now that'll work for me into the future. So that's a big one for me to help future-proof your, your business and your brand. Well, so the content marketing is where mm. you're creating the value mm-hmm. and then it can live on like in YouTube and right. on your blog. And so I do love Instagram for ads though. And you don't need to even need it's to be posting ads. consistently. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that <laughs> yeah. too. You don't even need to be posting consistently in order to have an Instagram account and, and run ads there. So I will yeah, say that. That's different because I'm able to push it in front of people with Instagram. Exactly. I'm just you posting organically. Control. Exactly. If I can control it, I'm a fan. If I can't control it, not a fan. Yeah, that's all I'm saying for sure. I mean, we use Instagram to post our stuff, you know, for ads, of course, because we're getting in front of those people, but we're forcing it in in a sense in front of the people because not forcing it, but we're paying to get there. So they're like, oh, you want to pay? Yeah, we'll show it to everybody. But if you're just doing organically, there's a lot of other factors that got to be right in order for me to see it. So that's what I don't like about it. But I do love the evergreen assets that we can build. And then we can continually use them to our advantages later. Because let's face it, if you can get traffic, everything becomes a lot easier because then you can create more offers and put them in front of people and see what hits, what doesn't hit. Like if you have a thousand people coming to your blog every single day, you can put something new on it every single day and know you're going to test it with a thousand new people, right? So that's what I'm looking at is like traffic, attention, huge. I love it. Okay. So what does your business look like today? You still have multiple businesses going, but then Mm -hmm. is your main focus the amazing seller? Yeah, I would say right now, like most of my time is dedicated to the amazing seller. When I started it, it wasn't. It was probably between, I would say, our photography, like part-time business and then our digital business um, and really trying to ramp up the digital business within the photography space. And then once I got into this, I started to like it more. I felt it was more of what I wanted to kind of talk about and kind of share the photography stuff. I had kind of gotten burnt out a little bit. So yeah, I would say the amazing seller is like my top priority right now. And then I have a brand that I'm partnered with. That's we're looking to exit on that for a seven figure exit that we're looking for in the next 12 to 18 months. And uh, so that's one of our secondary focuses. And then also, I mean, I work closely with some people that have hired me now to be more or less, a consultant in a sense, uh, you know, I call them my inner circle members, but, uh, you know, I'm working with people that are in, you know, mid seven figures, you know, working on a regular basis. So it's pretty cool to be able to work in other people's businesses and see different industries, different markets and get to really play in different sandboxes. So cool. And you've got a bunch of new initiatives that you've been working on this year as well. So one is Brand Accelerator Live. Mm-hmm. And so we're recording this before, but when this comes out, this will be live after. And so tell us about Brand Accelerator Live and that experience, what that is. Well, yeah, even though we're recording this before, I'm going to say Monica did an awesome job at Brand Accelerator Live. She rocked it. She rocked the stage. People were talking about how awesome it was, right? So, I mean, that's what's going to happen, Monica, right? Of course. Yes. It's going to be so fun. 
It is. Yeah. So uh, again, one of those things I never thought in a million years I would have my own live event. Like I've had smaller live events that we've done like workshop type ones uh, with like 30, 40 people. You know, we're looking at, uh, you know, a couple hundred people. So yeah, it's something bigger than I would have ever thought that I would have done. But we are going to do it and I'm excited about it. I'm nervous about it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And seeing that you are listening to this after the fact, there was a surprise that I was holding back before the event. And now that the event is over, um, if you're listening to this, but we are going to have like virtual passes and stuff. So you can always go check out Brand Accelerator Live. But yeah, there was a, a book that I've been working on for the past nine months, actually almost a year now, actually it was, it's more than nine months. Yeah. And, uh, I've been working on that and I've been working on it to get it ready for releasing it at brand accelerator live. And it's really part of my next pivot or my next move. And, uh, the name of the book is, um, the take action effect. And it's really designed to tell my story, but in a way that everyone can learn along the way. And it dives into mindset how to really understand why you want this and how to dig deep emotionally so you can push through when times are tough. And then also how to discover yourself and really see what it is you truly want. And not just money-wise, but what do you want as a life? And then in the book, we go through some strategies on how you can actually implement that and really create your own strategy to take action and really you know, reap the benefits and the effects of the actions that you're taking. So yeah, I'm really excited about that, Monica, because the book to me was that was that piece that I think I needed to allow me to be able to also speak on new stages in front of new audiences, on new podcasts, and it's not just about Amazon. We do touch on Amazon in there because it's a great channel and we should be using it if you're selling any type of products or, or even if you, uh, you wanted to look at your affiliate report, if you're a blogger and you're seeing that you're selling a whole bunch of this one thing, you might want to go ahead and think about creating your own version as our good friend Alex did from Travel Fashion Girl. Um, right. So yeah, so that's what I'm excited about is that. And uh, I'm not sure where it's going to lead next, but I'm going to jump on and enjoy the ride. Oh, I'm so excited to read your book. So you mentioned mindset and I'm just thinking about the evolution of Scott, you know, Scott, mm. throughout your whole journey, your entrepreneurial journey, and then even new pivots coming your way. And so what would you tell your younger self, your, you know, Scott, who was just beginning, just trying to figure out the side hustle, you know, when there were challenges, Scott, that had to change the name on your, mm. you know, first successful business. So what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah, just believe in yourself. Take it one day at a time and uh, really just understand that everything that's happening to you is for a reason. I know we tell ourselves that a lot, but it is happening there to teach you something that is going to shine the light on the next thing, right? And really don't think that you're ever going to arrive at the top of the mountain because you don't want to, right? You just love the climb and you love the journey even though at times it feels like it's tough and you feel like quitting, you're not a quitter and uh, you just got to keep going because there's a lot of great things at the top of that so-called mountain. That's what I would tell them. Very cool. So if somebody's in their business and they're struggling, their goal is seven figures and maybe they've hit six figures, but they're trying to break through and reach that new you know, status of hitting seven figures in your business, what would you say to them? Well, first off, I'd ask why seven figures? And I know it's a great number and everybody loves to talk about it. And it is a great number. I like that number. But 
I also have learned that I look at what it is that I need to do what I want to do. And I think everyone else should do that. It might be seven figures for you because maybe you're going to make a net profit of, you know, maybe 25 percent. So you're going to make 250 K for the year and you're happy with that. That's fine. I just don't want people getting they're comparing themselves to the vanity numbers that a lot of times people are flashing. So just be careful of that. Don't fall into the trap of just you want to make a certain amount because you want to make a certain amount. Do it because of what it is going to allow you to achieve. So I would say that to get there, you need to have a plan like that's all there is to it right? You need to sit down with a good old pad of paper in the pen, like we used to do in the old days and get a little quiet time and map out exactly what it is that you need to do to get there. And if you're selling a product right now for $197, how many of those do you need to sell? How many per month, how many per day? And how could you realistically make that happen? And then you might say, well, I don't think I can because that's a lot of units. And then you're like, how do I come up with a $497 product and then add that onto my 197? How do I create a better user experience that's going to add value to my customers and giving them more things that they could invest in along the way? So you really just need to map out where you are right now and then what is the number that you want to hit and then why. And then from there, map out the plan that's going to help you get there and really get nitty gritty with the numbers. Like I'm talking like, what do you need to sell per day? And then you can have someone like Monica come in and go, oh, we need to run this many ads and this is how many pieces of creative and this is how many people we need to hit the page. And if we convert it this, then we can have this. Then you can have that conversation. But you need to know what the numbers are in order to get to where you want to go. It's perfect. Okay. Love it, Scott. Anything else you want to share? No, the last thing I would share, I think, is probably don't think you have to figure it all out right now. And the reason why I'm saying that is I had a, a conversation with someone recently and we were talking about, you know, them shooting video and then uploading it to YouTube and getting it out there. And then they kept asking me, well, I'm, I'm still stuck on just figuring out how I'm going to edit it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute here. Did you shoot the video yet? And they're like, no, I'm, I've got to figure out how to edit it. I'm like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> like, you got to just shoot the video and then we'll worry about editing the video. So I always tell people going back to my construction roots, like I didn't worry about the color of the shingle or the type of shingle on the roof before I you know, poured the foundation. So you gotta pour the foundation and then build the walls and then build the second floor and then build the next set of walls and then build the roof system and then put the shingles on the roof. So one step at a time, one day at a time, and just don't try to get too far ahead of yourself. And if you see yourself doing that, there's probably an underlining reason why. And I'm gonna guess it's probably because you say to yourself inside, you might not even know you're saying this, you know what, if I keep holding off, I can't fail. I just can't because guess what? We're never going to know. So it's almost like you procrastinating, which is something I talk about in the book is you're, you're procrastinating within yourself. So this way here, you don't become a failure that you keep maybe thinking that you will become. So think about that. So great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find you find out about brand accelerator live and your book and learn more about you? Yeah, I would say brandacceleratorlive.com. Check that out. Uh, you'll probably see either the upcoming event or maybe virtual pass, but you'll see all the details. And then from there, I would say the book can be found at takeactioneffect.com, takeactioneffect.com. And then uh, from there, if you do grab the book, which I think you should, if you do, hashtag take action moment with one of your moments in your life 
that made a huge impact or a huge shift in your life. We all have them. We have to just kind of call them back. And I would love for you to share that with me and with all the other action takers out there, because that's what we're going to start doing with this book, too. We're going to start getting a bunch of these stories out there because I want to show the world that we all have these moments we've already done that we're not giving ourselves credit for that have made a huge, huge impact in our lives. So hashtag take action moment, share yours, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want. And then the last place is um, the podcast, theamazingseller.com. That's the blog, or you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, any of the major podcasting apps, and you can just search for The Amazing Seller and you'll find me over there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being so open today, sharing your entire story and giving us such great advice. And we can definitely take action and achieve our goals. So thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, Monica. This has been awesome as always. And uh, yeah, hopefully the audience is going to go out there and take some of that action. That's what we're here for. So Monica, thank you. Thank you. So as I'm recording this, I just got back from speaking at Scott's event, Brand Accelerator Live in Fort Worth, Texas. And it was amazing. I met so many great people there and I came home with loads of new friends. So I want to thank Scott for asking me to be one of the speakers at his first ever live event. It was such an honor to be on the main stage and have the opportunity to teach about Facebook ads to more than 200 people. So I am going to share some pictures from the event in the show notes. And I also want to thank Scott for being such an inspiration to me over the years. Before I met him, I actually followed him online for a number of years and his energy and his take action message has really hit home for me. And that's why at the end of each episode on this podcast, I encourage you to take action because I've been there. I've been there binge listening to podcast episode after podcast episode, soaking up knowledge without taking action to actually implement what I learn. But obviously growth and progress can only come from taking action. So here are a couple of ideas that you can take action on from this episode. You can follow Scott's four-part process to create and launch your next product. You can map out your goal and your action plan to get there. You can also grab a copy of Scott's brand new book, The Take Action Effect, Proven Steps to Build a Future-Proof Business and Create Your Ultimate Freedom. And when you take action, be sure to tag us on social media and use the hashtag take action moment. And I am flourish with Monica on Facebook and Instagram. And Scott is the amazing seller on Facebook and at Scott Volker on Instagram. And I want to thank Scott once again for coming on the podcast and sharing his story with us. And you'll find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 22. So thank you so much for joining Scott and me today. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another great episode heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. I'll be sharing how to know if you're ready to outsource your ads and how to hire the right ads agency for you. So if you think you might be ready to take Facebook ads off your plate, join me next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Take care and bye for now.